If you have your Bibles with you today, you can open up to the book of James, and we're going to go to James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to hop around to a few different scriptures today, and not just study through one text, and it's going to be a few minutes before we get to James chapter 1, but that will be our first stop. So if you got your Bible, you can turn there, and uh, we are excited to dig into God's Word uh, with you today. Uh, last week, if you were with us, we talked about the concept of weight shifting, how God, uh, part of the gospel gift that he has given us is the, the opportunity in his presence to shift the weight and some of the burden, the responsibility, the stress, the anxiety of our life off of our shoulders onto his shoulders. And uh, it's just an amazing gift of God that we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And we all have different circumstances in our life and different weights and responsibilities. And sometimes they could just really bog us down. What's it look like to shift the weight onto him? Maybe it's not changing the circumstances that we face, but the weight is, is relieved. And we talked about um, spiritual disciplines being a way that we shift this weight. And there's various spiritual disciplines, but we highlighted uh, maybe the big three. Worship prayer and reading the word, uh, that these are opportunities for us to shift the weight. And many of you have experienced this happen in your life, whether it's uh, personally in your own time with the Lord, or you've come to church and uh, you come in feeling whatever certain level of weight and you leave feeling different, you leave feeling lighter, and the circumstances haven't changed and you're still the same person, but something shifted. It's because we took time to pray, to worship, and to be in the Word, and, and these are elements of weight shift uh, that we get to take advantage of. Uh, the reality is, is that some of you in this church community, you have a, a rich time of reading the Word on your own. You have a rich time of, of worship and of prayer, a consistent prayer life. Some of you have that, and you have learned some of the disciplines that's uh, not just only for weight shifting, but these disciplines of following Jesus, these spiritual disciplines, uh, are pre present in your life. Not that none of us have achieved uh, the, the limits of, of how we can grow in these spiritual disciplines, but some of you have it. The reality is that there are other portions of our community that uh, don't have these spiritual disciplines. That, um, you know, you, you love the Lord, you want to be a follower of Him, you enjoy coming and being a part of this community, but you don't have your own rich spiritual time of the Lord. Maybe you don't really know how to dig into Scripture, or what does prayer actually look like, or what's worship look like when you don't have a band leading you. So uh, today, what we're going to do is uh, not compare or contrast the two, but today is going to be maybe one of the most simple, practical messages that uh, we've ever shared here at Anchor, and uh, we're just going to talk about the why and the how we can uh, implement these spiritual disciplines, because the, 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 the beauty of last week is so many of you that were here, we left and had conversations on the way out, like, what a gift from God, that uh, yes, I have anxiety, yes, I have these issues, these stresses, and I love the beauty that I can shift them, but I think that some were left with this, but, but how? do I do that? Like, I want that. I'm ready for it. I believe in it. But what does it actually look like? So today, super simple, super practical why and how. Uh, I'm going to focus most of our time on the discipline of reading the word, but we're going to real quickly highlight prayer and worship as these are the big three. Uh, one of our core values along with community is prayer and worship. And we say it this way, he is worthy. That the reason that we pray, the reason that we worship, we could probably list all types of reasons, but it all boils down to his worthiness. That prayer and worship is not trying to earn, not trying to achieve, not trying to check a box, not trying to be good enough. It's a recognition of how incredible he is, that his love is better than life, that all we can do is respond in, in worship and prayer to him. When it comes to worship, how do we worship? I'm not going to spend much time on this right now because those of you that were with us this last year, we had a 
22-week series on He is Worthy, on worship. 22 weeks, that is a marathon. I don't know if we'll ever break that record, a series of 22 weeks. And through it, uh, we, we explained expressions of worship and, and lifestyles of worship. What's it mean to be a living sacrifice? So there is a lot of content. If you are interested in how do I worship when there isn't a band in a, in a church setting leading me, uh, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash goanchorchurch, and uh, there is a series right there called He is Worthy, 22 weeks worth of content. Uh, but some practical things you could do. It's not just music, but music certainly is a way that we engage in worship. Open Spotify, type in worship playlist, hit play. You got it. Like, that is a big deal. You can do it. Simple, practical. I would also tell you, what does it mean for you to start developing a practice of verbalizing gratitude for God? Uh, worship and thankfulness are so intrinsically connected. What's it look like for you to continually just recognize, God, I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thankful that you've given me these opportunities today. Thank you for the resources that you've given me. Thank you for the physical health that I'm experiencing. What's it look like for you to engage in worship of God? Uh, for prayer, how to pray, this is a monster subject. And uh, we intend to spend some time this calendar year, probably summertime, spending an entire series on prayer. So I'm going to be very limited on it today so we can spend most of our time on reading the word. Uh, a series on prayer is coming, and uh, I don't think it'll be 22 weeks. We'll like cap it at 21 and be like, if you don't have it yet, uh, we're done. Uh, but we're going to talk about prayer more extensively this year. Uh, so without digging into teaching and scriptures on prayer, I do want to give a, a short moment right now on, on how to pray. I, uh, I've had some conversations even this week of like, I want to pray, and I feel like a little intimidated by prayer or what prayer should look like, or I would feel unspiritual if it was the way that I know how to pray. So I'm going to make this very, very simple and practical. Again, not a lot of not scriptures and teachings on it at this point, but here is four practical, simple points on prayer. Number one, leave your distractions. Number two, move your lips. Number three, pray what you think about. Number four, short is fine. Let me explain this really quick. Number one, how to pray, leave your distractions. Uh, this is a practice that I use. You don't have to pray like I do. You can connect with God and, and communicate with him in different ways. But something that is valuable for me is I go on a little prayer walk. It takes me eight to 10 minutes to do this loop around where we live. And uh, it, it takes just a limited amount of time. And I always leave my phone, leave my headphones, leave my children, like leave the distractions behind. And it's about an eight to 10 minute loop. And uh, when you're free of those distractions, and you actually are out of the house, there's something really helpful. I don't know what it looks like for you, but what are the things that distract you that maybe get, gain your attention uh, or it's difficult to, to function uh, and focus when these distractions are present? What's it look like for you to step one, you want a richer prayer life, leave your distractions for whatever season of time you're going to spend in prayer. Uh, secondly, move your lips. Uh, again, you don't have to be, there's, there's not like this certain formula. And uh, quiet, silent prayers, God hears them just as much as verbal prayers. You don't have to be out loud for it to work. I know for me, to make sure that my prayer life is rich and consistent, I need to be moving my lips. I need to actually be talking because it's so easy for me to start prayer. And then a few seconds into it, my brain is somewhere totally different. And this was designated time for me to be praying, but I'm not actually praying. For me, it's helpful if my lips are continually moving, if, if uh, it's a way to like hold myself accountable, that there is actually words coming, I'm formulating it. And I'd say there's some power.
power in you formulating what's going on internally and finding a way to verbalize it. It solidifies something inside of you. Not that God needs it to interpret what's going on in your life, but there's value for you taking this is what's going on. These are my thoughts, desires, feelings, struggles, uh, areas that I need to confess before God, and you verbalize it. There is power in that. So eight to 10 minutes, I'm walking, and my lips, as much as I can, are always moving. My neighbors might think I'm crazy, but it's helpful in my prayer life to actually move my lips to begin saying something. Uh, Number three, pray what you think about. I think too often we can go to prayer and it's like, well, there's this list of stuff that I feel like I ought to pray about. Like if I were more spiritual, I'd be hitting these things and praying for the nations. And I would be, uh, it would be this, this super spiritual prayer list. And I, it can be intimidating for us. I want to tell you, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Pray what you think about. Maybe you're out there and you've just got this couple minutes and you recall this meeting that you've got this afternoon. And just like, take that moment, be like, God, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Thanks for reminding me, Lord. I, I just ask for wisdom as I communicate that, or as I have this sales pitch, or as whatever it is, God, would you give me wisdom? Uh, God, I need to prep for this. Just ask my prep that goes well. God, would you be in this? Give me your heart for this situation. Maybe you're a student and you got a project that you got to work on later in the day, and, and that's kind of on your heart. Pray about it. Engage with God and what you're thinking about. Maybe you're praying. It's like, oh man, I got to go make a grocery run this afternoon. The kids are going to have nothing to eat for lunch tomorrow. Uh, What does it mean for you to take that moment and not say, oh, I'm beating myself up because I'm supposed to be praying right now. What's it look like for you to say, God, thank you for the resources that I can provide for my family. Thank you for the luxury of Walmart pickup so I don't even have to put on my my shoes. I can just slippers it to Walmart and get these groceries. What does it look like for you to start engaging with God on what you're thinking about? What relationship is, is not a pre-assigned discussion that you are required to, to, to walk through when you talk to somebody. Relationship is, this is what's going on in my life, this is what's going on in my heart, and I communicate it with the person that I care about. Start communicating with God, not based on this list you think you ought to pray about, but just share what's going on in your life, in your heart. This doctor's appointment that's coming up. Man, talk to God about it. And number four, short is fine. I think there's this pressure sometimes, like, oh, if I don't set aside 30 minutes and if I can't keep myself motivated for this time, we just feel this guilt and the shame that I'm not spiritual enough, I don't pray enough. I want to tell you, if you have time and you have that rich of a, a, a conversation with God, go for it. There is beauty when you have extended time with someone you love to communicate with them. Uh, those of you that are in a romance or in a marriage, those times where it's just you and them for an extended amount of time and you can have a longer conversation, it is beautiful. But those of you that are in marriage, in a relationship, and especially if you have kids, you know that sometimes your communication is like 15-second windows. And you're like, let's pick up on this once the kids are asleep. And, and it doesn't mean that your relationship is poor because there's short communication. It's consistency that brings beauty to the relationship. I want to tell you, don't put the pressure on yourself that you got to set this timer and you got to make it to this mark because you know what? After a couple minutes, now you're just trying to think of stuff that you ought to be praying about. and It's not even genuine anymore. It's not what's on your heart. You're just trying to keep your lips moving. I want to tell you, uh, start somewhere. If a prayer for you is one minute long, but it is true and it is genuine, start somewhere. Pray with God, or communicate with God, pray, uh, leave your distractions, move your lips, uh, pray what you think about, and it is okay to keep it brief. Uh, we're going to move on to God's Word. Prayer, worship, and God's Word, this, these three spiritual disciplines. I want to spend the most time in it right now uh, because I think sometimes this is the most daunting. 
Like there is a, a lot of, of text in here. There's a lot of stuff that maybe I'm unfamiliar with or where do I start or how do I interpret it well. It can be kind of daunting to say I'm going to be someone who digs into the Word of God. Uh, another of our core values that you'll see everywhere our values are posted is God's Word. And we say it this way, we anchor ourselves in the truth of God's Word. Uh, we're not just like casually connected to it. Like they, we're, we're unmoving from it. That it is the standard. It is the truth that we hold ourselves to. Uh, another way that we, uh, a second tagline, we try to keep our, our values short enough to be memorable. But a second tagline we've kind of used with it is uh, we make ourselves in the truth of God's word. It is alive and it transforms us into the image of its author. We truly believe this, that this is not just your average book with some words and some history and some direction in it. Like, it is alive. And some of you have experienced it. Like, how did you know that about me? How did you know this is what I was walking through right now? Because it is alive and it speaks to us. And it doesn't just speak to us and give us more information. As we bring and partake of the Word of God and we, we personalize it uh, in our own hearts and lives, it transforms us. We don't leave the same when we're done. And it transforms us, not just to like a better version of ourselves, but into the image of its author. I want to tell you uh, the Bible, front to back, the entirety of it is the story of God's love and his redemption through the work of Jesus Christ. Like, this is what we look to. Yes, there's a lot of different components. There's some great poetry in it. There's some great history in it. There's, there's so much that we find in here, but the entirety of it is the story of God's love and redemption through the good news of Jesus. And so as we dig into the Word of God, um, what we worship, what we adore is the author, not just the text. And I know this can sound a, a bit odd, but let me, let me just make this very clear. That the scripture is how we know God. It's how he reveals himself to us. He has given us the written word. And so what we adore is not just the letters on the page. What we adore is the author that is showing his story of love and his redemption. And therefore, when we dig into the word, we're not just looking for greater information. We're looking to know the author. And we're saying, God, this reveals who you are. This reveals your story, your love, your grace, your redemption. And God is I read this, I want to know that, and I want who you are to transform who I am. Uh, our mission statement at Anchor is we exist to see the lost found and the found anchored. I would tell you that uh, we see one mark of good discipleship, a mark of someone being anchored, is someone who is reading the scriptures, reading their Bible on their own. Uh, we believe that's a, a mark of an anchored life. Like, we love when the lost are found. This is part of why we exist, to be evangelistic. But we don't just leave it there. It is the found being anchored. And it is so significant when our church body is, is anchored to the place where you are self-feeding your, your spiritual life, your soul, on the Word of God. I'll tell you that as uh, encouraging as it is when a Sunday morning is over and the Word of God's been preached, it's encouraging on the way out when there's, man, God's Word spoke to me today. Uh, man, that was such a great message. It spoke exactly what was going on in this situation, in this life. It's encouraging. But I'll tell you pastorally, in the vision we have for our church, what is far more encouraging is when there's a conversation that says, uh, hey, this week I was reading the Word and God spoke to me in this way and spoke to That is so much better than somebody else prepared something to give to to you, and there is such value, and I'm not downplaying the value of the, the teaching of the Word of God, but it's such a greater mark when you say, hey, I was reading this this week. Or even when it's like, hey, I was reading, I, I have a big question about this, or I really don't understand this, or this, this, is, this is strange and different and foreign to me, and I need some explanation. Those are 
such good marks that you are digging into the Word of God on your own. There's such great value in the church reading the Bible on their own. Uh, it's so much better than the frustrating comment of, well, I was listening to this podcast and someone said, oh, that one's so hard. Uh, podcasts are not what disciple us. It's, it's the Word of God. I want to tell you, um, we're all discipled somewhere. I'm not saying there's, there's tons of great podcasts, and I listen to podcasts, but uh, what we're listening to, what we're putting inside of us, is what is discipling us. And uh, not saying you can't ever listen to any other voices, but if you are not primarily digging into the Word of God for yourself, you're being discipled by something other than the inspired Word of God that uh, we're seeking to be transformed into this author, not the author of that book or the author of that podcast. This author is what we're after. I saw a, a meme this week that was uh, challenging and slightly funny because it's true. Uh, there was this pie chart, and there was just a, a sliver of, of, of the pie chart that was blue, and the rest of it was yellow. And uh, the pie chart was titled, uh, Why I Believe What I Believe. And the sliver of it said, Because I've studied it out. And the whole rest of the pie was, Because someone else said it, and it sounded good at the time. It's unfortunate. How much of what we believe and why we believe it is because that voice that we're listening to or that we're reading, they said it and it sounded good at the time. I want to tell you that I don't want that to be who we are, that we dig into God's word. What does it say to, what is it saying? What is the truth? And this is going to be our basis. We will be discipled by the word of God, not just those other voices that we're listening to. I want to tell you today's goal is that we develop a desire to dig into God's word. And that you have the confidence to do it. Twofold goal in these next few minutes together. That there is a, a desire, an appetite inside of you to dig into God's word more than you are right now. Maybe that is just to open it for the first time. Maybe that is a, a, you already have a rich time, but there's a desire to dig in deeper. That's the first goal. The second goal is that you would have the confidence to do it. I think uh, sometimes that's the greatest challenge. It's like, yeah, I probably should read the Bible more, but I don't have the confidence to do so. So to get there, uh, we're going to talk about six metaphors for the value or the importance of the Bible. And I want to say this, that all of these metaphors that we're digging into, and as we open up the Bible, it is all a revelation of Jesus. That our desire to look into the Bible and these metaphors, they're going to help us know the character of our God and the beauty, the revelation of the good news of Jesus. Uh, these six metaphors, we actually talked about this uh, pre-launch. Some of you may have heard some of this content. Uh, we're definitely changing it up a little bit. But even if you were here pre-launch when we talked about these six metaphors, Maybe this is thinking too little of you, but I bet you don't remember all six. So it'll be a great review for you. James chapter 1, verse 22 gives us the first two metaphors. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just hear what God's word is saying. Do what it says. Don't just hear the directions. Follow the direction. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Gives us two metaphors. The first one I want to talk about, number one, is a navigation system, which it doesn't use those exact words, but it says don't just hear what it's telling you to do. Actually follow the directions that it gives you. This is like the Bible would be like a navigation system. Um, it would be silly of us to have a destination that we desire to get to, we intend to get to, and we don't know how to get there, to just continually drive around and around and hope we stumble upon the right destination. 
We have GPS in today's day and age. You have it on your smartphone. Some of you have it just already programmed into your car. It is silly of us to just hope for the best when we have the opportunity to get the proper directions to get to that destination. Uh, it's the same with, with, with our spiritual lives, that God has vision, he has hope, he has direction, he has purpose for your life. There is a destination uh, on this earth and a destination of eternity that he has for our lives. And too often we just hope for the best, making decisions about our lives when there is a navigation system that can tell us, speak to you on what God's desire is for your life. And we can learn more of who Jesus is and it begins to impact the decisions and the directions that we go. Um, and beyond that, it would be silly for us to say, okay, well, I'm going to open up the GPS, and it's going to give me the directions, but it would be silly that when it says, hey, in 500 feet, take this left turn, and uh, then we say, yeah, but straighter looks better. Like, I just, I'm going to just go straight. I'm going to ignore what you said. And then it would be silly for us to, like, get mad at the GPS. Like, why didn't you get me there? Well, I tried. You decided that straight felt better than turning left. Uh, and, and it's the same way with Scripture. Like, what good is it if we have a discipline of reading the Word of God, and yet when it it comes time to make a decision based on the Word of God, we ignore it. It's not just about how much can you read, it's are you, a letting, are you letting it transform you and direct the, the trajectory of your life? That we don't just hear it, we do what it says. You know what's amazing about GPS uh, is I've never uh, like missed a turn, whether it was accidentally or intentionally, and the GPS like throw a fit and get mad at me and like cross its arms and say, well, you're not gonna listen to me, you figure it out on your own, you're on your own bucko, and shut down. It's never done that. Whenever you miss a turn, intentionally or accidentally, you know what it always does? It says rerouting, rerouting. Hey, you missed that one. You, uh, it's gonna take you a little longer to get there and you may be in an area that you didn't intend to be or isn't best for you to be, but I will always reveal to you the next right turn. I wanna tell you this is scripture. That it is never going to just like shut down and be like, well, sorry, you didn't listen to me the last few times I gave you directions. You may have to suffer some, some consequences of being in an area that I was never best for you. And there may be some, some navigating out of where you are. But I want to tell you that God loves you and he is always rerouting. I don't know where you're at in life right now, what decisions you have made, how you have walked away from following Jesus. I want to tell you, you open up the word of God and you're not going to find a God with his arms crossed telling you to figure it out on your own. He's going to say, okay, thank you for coming back. Thanks for listening. And I will give you directions for the next right turn. It's like a navigation system. And then the second metaphor it gives us, it says this one more blank, uh, plainly. It says it's like a mirror. Number two, the word of God is like a mirror. You know what a mirror's job is when you look at it? It's to be honest. It's not to like give you a better or worse than what is actually there. Like a mirror is to tell you this is reality. This is what you're looking at. And sometimes when you look at a mirror, uh, you look at it and what it says back to you is like, you look really good. Like this is awesome. Go about your day. Uh, if that's you and you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, you're an amazing church, that may happen to you. But most of the time when we look in the mirror, I know when I look in the mirror, what it is telling back is like, hey, maybe this is okay, but you really need to move your hair this way uh, or your collar's all janked and you need to adjust that or you got some food in your teeth. Like we look at the mirror, not just to tell us you're good to go. We look at it so we can learn honest uh, reflection of ourselves to make adjustments before we continue to go about life. 
The mirror has never reflected back to you, hey, here's an area of adjustment that would be beneficial to you, and you got mad at the mirror. Like, how dare you tell me that I needed to correct this in my appearance? Like, we don't get mad at the mirror. Like, thank you for revealing. It would be embarrassing if I went back out to dinner and didn't uh, have that taken care of. I think that uh, the Bible is, is our mirror. And its job is to be honest with you. And there may, may be days and moments where you open it up, and it is so encouraging telling you you're doing so well, you're on the right track, and it's awesome. But oftentimes we open it up, and it's saying, hey, here's an area of adjustment that's going to be really good for you. Here's an area that, that uh, is going to bring you life, and it's going to bring you freedom, and it's going to bring you confidence. And the problem is that too often we can open the Scripture, and it's going to challenge the way that I think, or challenge the way that I believe, or challenge the way that I live, or challenge what's happening around us culturally. And too often we get mad at the mirror. How dare you say that I can't live that way? How dare you challenge the way that I'm thinking? I'll tell you, the Bible, is, it is the mirror of what is true. It is, it is God's heart to us. And so we don't get to get mad at the mirror and say, why would you? No, the mirror is only reflecting what is right, what is true, what is healthiest and best for us. And so rather than getting frustrated, we say, God, thank you for revealing that. I don't know what that means for me, and I don't know how that sits in today's culture, but I'm going to receive what the mirror is saying to me because it is revealing your heart, your character, your love, and I will let the mirror make the adjustments in my life. I love that it says that it is a mirror. Um, if you consider the mirror, the time that we uh, most often and most con consistently look at it um, is before we go about our day. It's, it's in the morning. Because uh, there's great value in going to the mirror prior to going about our business. I'm not saying there's no value if you check out the mirror uh, before you go to bed. Uh, but that's, uh, that doesn't hold the same value as before you go about the day. Uh, I'm a big advocate for reading the Bible in the mornings. Uh, before you go about your business. And I don't know what your schedule's like, and not everyone has morning time, but what's it look like to let Scripture set the tone for your day before you go about the day? What's it look like to look in the mirror, not just at the end of the day, uh, again, not that there's not value in reading Scripture all throughout the day, or even at the end of the day, but what's it look like to let the mirror set the tone prior? Maybe you don't have good morning time based on your circumstances of life. But what's it look like for you to, I don't know, set the Bible app to give you the verse of the day notification so it's the first thing on your mind when you wake up? What's it look like to have the background of your cell phone, a scripture for, for the month? What's it look like for you to put a, a sticky note uh, on your mirror or in your car or where you're making the kids' lunches? What's it look like for you to get scripture in your heart and on your mind even before you set out the day? Let it be a mirror, not just early or not just late in the day, but in the morning and all throughout the day. Uh, I would tell you that sometimes the only mirror that believers get is on a Sunday morning we gather together and you let someone else hold a mirror up to you. Now there may be value in seeing someone else's uh, teaching and, and listening to it once a week. There's great value in coming together, but I want to tell you that the mirror is not just located in this room on Sunday mornings, that you have the mirror of God's word with you all the time. It's a beautiful thing when we dig into it. Psalms 119, 105 is where we get our third metaphor. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Again, straightforward. The metaphor that God gives us is that the word of God is like a light. And when we are operating in dark, a simple task can become very difficult, not because the task is difficult, but because we're doing it blindly. I tried plugging in the tree this year in the dark, and it's just like, am I going to electrocute myself? Uh, which side's the big side? Like, I'm trying to plug it in. Simple task. 
Maybe you're just trying to walk through somebody's house and maybe you've learned your house well enough you can navigate fairly good. But if you're in a place that you're unfamiliar with, at best we're going slow, we're trying to feel around. Is there one more stair? Is this the bottom one? Uh, there's obstacles that we're trying to avoid. And we're either going to injure ourselves or we just got to go incredibly slow. I want to tell you, uh, beauty of turning a light on makes what seems to be a difficult task can be so much easier. You can navigate your way around uh, and it's not because the, the, the obstacles are any different or because you're more talented. It's because the light has made these tasks a lot more simple. I want to tell you too many believers are walking through life, the decisions, the relationships, the finances. You're walking through the challenges of life and at best it's slow and feeling around because the light of God's word hasn't been directed on that decision, on that relationship, on those emotions that you're dealing with. I want to tell you one of the greatest things you can do with whatever you're facing is turn on the light. Open up God's word and it is amazing how it speaks to exactly what you're walking through. We're going to look at number four. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And after a temptation, Jesus answers, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That Jesus makes this correlation that uh, we don't just live on food, but what also sustains us is the word of God. So number four is, is food, that Jesus correlates the word of God to food. What food does for our bodies, the scriptures, the Bible does for our souls. Now, if we just had like a, a, a consistent diet of food for these last however many years of your life, and today you had a really great meal, and you got all the nourishment, all the nutrients your body needs, but then you stopped eating, uh, we're not going somewhere good. Like, it, you're going to slowly get sick and tired and lethargic, and uh, your body's going to slowly shut down until you die. Because it doesn't matter how much food you've had in the past, we all need food again. Then what nourishes our bodies uh, is consistently eating, and it's the same for our souls. Uh, it's great that you have had this history of following Jesus and this rich time in the Word of God. We don't get a count on yesterday's study to sustain us today. Like, we need the Word of God continually, daily. Again, imagine with me if uh, today you just had your, your favorite meal and as much of it as you wanted, you just fed yourself, got all the, all the right foods inside of you, uh, but if we uh, didn't do that consistently, if you just had that one, that meal just once a week, what's life going to look like? You're probably going to sustain. You're not going to die. But you're going to have these bursts of after you've eaten the meal, you're going to have some energy. You're going to feel better about yourself. Uh, you're going to be productive. But as uh, those nutrients are used and they decline, uh, you're going to start feeling again. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel lethargic. You're going to feel lazy. You're going to start, uh, your immune system's going to start being poor. Uh, you're just going to be unproductive. It's going to be a struggle because you're malnourished. I want to say the tragedy of the church today is how many believers are walking through life incredibly malnourished. Not because they never eat. But because it's this occasional feast. I'll go to church once a week. At best, some people will come in once a month. And it's like, okay, I really am hungry. I need this. I got to go to church. Awesome. This was so great. I got a great meal. And I feel good today. But what happens tomorrow afternoon? You're hungry again. And church isn't for another six days. Well, you are not supposed to sustain on one meal a week. That you can go daily and consistently. And I believe that... Um, if we're going to be a body of believers that are living out a productive, healthy, energized, excited, following the call of God on our lives a mentality, it is only when we are nourishing ourselves on the truth of God's word consistently. It is our food. We're going to find uh, number five in Ephesians chapter six. 
Verse 17, it says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible gives us another metaphor that the Bible is a sword. This is given to us uh, as the, the entire armor uh, is given to us. And we've got like the, we've got the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the shoes of peace. We've got the belt of truth. Uh, we've got all these different elements, the shield of faith. But uh, the only element that we're given that is a weapon is the word of God. That it is the only weapon we're given. We've got a lot of armor that is defensive, but our only offensive weapon that we are given is the sword, which is the word of God. I love this is what Jesus used when he was facing temptation. When the devil was after him, you know what he did to fight back? He brought out the word of God. He began to speak and quote scripture that he had previously studied. He didn't just like open it up in that moment and say, I need something to help me fight. Like, well, he knew. He had studied it. He had memorized it. It was in his heart. It was on his mind. And when temptation came and he was ready to fight back against the enemy, what he did was he pulled out scripture. That scripture was his sword. I want to tell you the enemy of your souls who came to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't take a lot of days off. Have you noticed sin and temptation doesn't take a vacation in your life? Like it is always present. There is a daily battle. And every day without uh, the word is, is a war without the weapon. That we just go throughout our days and we just like, well, I just don't feel like it. Or uh, just to, whatever our excuses are. Temptation didn't take a day off. The devil didn't take a day off. And so all we have is trying to just simply defend ourselves because we're going through life weaponless. No wonder so many believers feel like they're just always beat up, like they're no match for sin, no match for temptation, that it's just this struggle of trying to, to defend themselves because you have no weapon to fight back. It is amazing when you begin to intake the Word of God and you have a weapon when it comes to these fights. Uh, sixth one we find in Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Simply put, purity is possible. I know some of you feel like purity is impossible. Well, we can find purity by obeying the word of God. Verse 10, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That an element of resisting sin is having the word of God in our hearts. We have studied it. We know the truth. We know the character of God. We know his desires for our lives. And it helps us not sin against him. Uh, so the metaphor here, number six, is the word of God is like sin repellent, uh, like bug repellent. You know, it's, it's, we live in western Montana. You've all experienced the mosquito infestation of the summer. Uh, it's just the worst when you're out trying to enjoy life, you're, you're camping or you're on a hike, and just the, the mosquitoes just can, can change the joy of any of these what should be uh, enjoyable circumstances uh, because they're, they're, they're biting and you spend half your time just like smacking and watching and trying to get away from them. And to be honest, this is how, many, how so many believers are, are walking through life. They're just trying to smack away the sin and like keep it bay, keep it distant. Where's the temptation going to be? And, and, and then, or we're just suffering from the sting of sin and compromise that we have in our life. I want to tell you the beauty of God's word as we, again, grow in a revelation of who Jesus is. When the gospel gets into our system, there is power power in the gospel that affects the way that we live. You know what's amazing? Uh, when, when you finally put on that bug spray or you learn for the next trip and you just like coat yourself up, I don't care how I smell, I don't care how much DEET is in this stuff, I'm putting it all over my body. And then you go back out into the same situation and you ever been like, hey mosquitoes, what you got now? You know, like, uh, uh, I'm ready for this. And it's not that the mosquitoes are no longer there. 
And it's not because you are better at defending yourself. It's because there is a barrier that helps keep them at bay. Let's tell you, this is the beauty of God's word, that when we grow in our understanding of who God is revealed through Scripture, when we get more of the gospel story inside of us as revealed through Scripture, that our tendency to fall for that sin, it's, there's a power that we didn't have before. It's not because sin no longer exists, that temptation has ceased, not because we're stronger and we're better. It's because there has been the word of God which helps grow us to resist sin. Again, this is kind of a silly analogy, but uh, you don't get home from the hike or you don't get done with the camping trip. And uh, as you're unpacking your bags, get the repellent, spray it all over your body and then get in bed. Like it doesn't really make sense to do it at the end of the experience. What's much better is to do it prior. Again, maybe the metaphor falls apart at some point. But I, again, I encourage and I value and I believe in the intake of Scripture before the day gets rolling. What's it look like for you to get that sin repellence in your mind, on your heart, before you go to work and face those challenges? Before you go to the gym and have these temptations? Before you open up Instagram and TikTok and there's all these images coming past you? What's it look like to have the sin repellent on before that? Not after you went through a day of temptation and challenges and decisions and your children got on your nerves and what your husband said to you. What if we put this on prior before we walk through these experiences? Uh, there's beauty in the word of God and what it can do in our lives. Now, as we look at all of this, that it's a navigation system, it's a mirror, it's a light, it's a food, it's sword, it's sin repellent. I would assume that these are things that we want in our lives. And I think that when we begin discovering what the word of God does for us, we begin to realize that this is not a burden. This is an incredible gift. And too many people, we don't understand the beauty of this gift. And we look at it like, ah, it's scary. It's a challenge. It's a burden. I want to tell you, it is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is that, that we have the word of God and the accessibility of it in today's day and age is such a gift. Um, as Spencer comes up, I want to conclude our time together by not just uh, hopefully creating an appetite for the Word of God, but uh, I would love if you left here today with the confidence that you can do it, that you can read the Word of God on your own. So I wanna finish by answering the question, well, like, okay, how? So I want to. You've got me. These six metaphors sound like something I want in my life, but how do I do this? I wanna start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, check out verse 14 through 16. It says, but the people's minds were hardened and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when we read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with a veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I want to start here with how. There is just this incredible supernatural experience that when you are not following Christ, when you haven't entrusted your life to him as your Lord and your Savior, you can read the same words, but it lacks the impact because it's just text on a page. But something happens when you turn to Christ, when your heart is not just information, but God, I want to know you. I want to know the gospel story. I believe in the truth of who you are. It says that when we turn to Christ, a veil is taken away. And all of a sudden, what was just text on a page, all of a sudden it is alive. And it's transforming us into the image of its author. I would say step one in how is you're not just looking at it for information. You've turned to Christ 
And as you've turned to Christ, an element of knowing him is digging into the word. For some of you, maybe um, you haven't taken the first step of saying, Jesus, I I don't want to just know more about you. I want to know you. Maybe you haven't taken the step of saying, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm seeking forgiveness and hope and purpose that can't come of my own intellect. It comes from knowing you. And when this decision is made of Jesus, I still got a lot of questions, but I'm going to trust you and not my own efforts to be the savior of my soul. A veil is taken away and the word becomes something entirely new. So maybe some of you are believers today, but as you go to scripture, it's not turning to Christ. It's turning to intellect. It's turning to argument. It's turning to religious tradition. I want to tell you, we still look to scripture because we are turning to Christ. I want to be enraptured by the gospel once again. I want to know your character. I want to know your love. I want to know your grace. I want to be transformed, not by information, but I want to know the author better. That we go to scripture because we are turning to Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, as we conclude, I want to give you a tool that I've been praying gives you confidence. There's all sorts of different uh, reading plans and different strategies and platforms and guides, and there's tons of incredible ones. I'm gonna introduce one to you today, not because it's the best one, but it is a very simple one that I think can be used for everybody. Uh, Tucker uh, said that uh, the best Bible reading plan is the one that you'll do. So uh, sometimes there's these like lofty Bible in a year plans and it can be like, ah, that's too much for me and I feel bad that I'm not up to date and I'm not caught up. I wanna tell you, the best Bible reading plan is the one that you will do. If that's a chapter a day, if that's a couple verses a day, uh, whatever it is, the best one is the one that you will do. So rather than a reading plan of what to read and how often to read it, I wanna introduce to you today uh, a very simple uh, guide for your time in scripture. If you have that piece of paper, uh, if you stash it somewhere else, you can bring it back out right now. We're gonna use it in just a moment. I'm gonna introduce to you the acronym SOAP. I don't know who came up with it, uh, but it's SOAP and the Bible washes you clean. All these metaphors are so great today. Uh, SOAP. The S of SOAP is scripture. The O is observation. The A is application. The P is prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Now, I wanna explain these a little bit to you. Uh, The S, scripture, what you do is you take out a a piece of paper or you've got your own notebook. We've supplied one for you today as an example. First thing you do is you just write the letter S and then you write the scripture that you're reading today. I don't know if that's a a chapter or if that's a couple chapters or if it's a verse or a couple verses. You just simply write the scripture next to the S. Uh, And then once you've written it, you read it. You read that text. Maybe there's one verse or one statement that really jumps out to you. You can write that next to S as well. Write out the verse. Uh, But you read it. Maybe you read it out loud. Maybe you download the Bible app and have it read to you as you're reading along. But you write the text you're reading and then you read it. O for observation. Uh, What you do there is uh, you observe what is being said. What, what is the author trying to communicate here? A good question to say is, what is the author saying to the original audience? Not what am I trying to interpret yet? We're just like, what was the author trying to communicate? A second good question is, what does this say about God? Depending on the different genre or where you're at in scripture, two great questions under observation are, what was the author trying to say to the original audience? Secondly, what is this saying about God? We're just pulling out observations right now. Uh, really good questions to ask. Um, the A is application. 
The question there is, how does this apply to me? Now that I've made observations, how does this apply to me? Um, what we're really looking for in this moment is, is not what does this mean to me, but what does this apply to me? Not that there's never time to discuss what does this mean to me, but the goal of the Bible is not to try to interpret what this means to me. The goal is to interpret what did the author mean to say and how does that apply to me? There can be some danger and if we go to scripture saying, well, this is what it means to me. Well, we're not here to just make our own interpretations of it. We're saying, what did the author intend to say and how does that apply to my life? And the P, talk to God about it, pray. Sometimes it's a time of repentance from what you just read and studied. Sometimes it's a request that you come before God. Sometimes it's, I really need help understanding this. Uh, but you just take a moment to pray. You've got the scripture, you've observed it, you've made an application out of it, and then you pray about it. Um, we've only got a few minutes, but I'm actually gonna give you three minutes right now, and you're gonna do this on your own. I don't wanna just say, hey, this is an easy plan. I want you to leave here confident you can open up your Bible tomorrow and you can have the Word of God speak to you. So I'm not gonna teach it to you. Those of you that are in the room, you've got that piece of paper. I just put the James verses we started out with on the top. So right now, next to the S, I want you to write out James 1, 22 through 25. Everybody write those words. And in three minutes, you're gonna read those. You're gonna pull out an observation. What is, what is being said here? Not what do you think about it, but like what is the author trying to communicate here? And I know we don't have a ton of time to dig into the author and the audience this morning, but I want you to make an observation. And then I want you to say, okay, this is what it, how it applies to my life. This is how I'm convicted. This is how I'm encouraged. I want you to write, even if it's just one sentence, uh, ob observation and application. And then I just want you to just take a moment to pray. Some of you like to write out a sentence of prayer. Some of you just want to put the pen down and pray. We're going to do three minutes right now. I want you to have the confidence that you can read the Word of God. You can observe, you can apply, and you can pray. Those of you that are online right now, if you got a piece of paper and pen, uh, the scripture should be on the screen for you. And I encourage you to join us. Uh, three minutes, we're going to be back. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, but everybody right now on your own, observe, apply, and pray.
see a lot of you are still writing, but I'm going to cut you short really quick uh, for the sake of time. Um, my hope and my prayer is that you realize you can do it. You can open up Scripture tomorrow, and I encourage you to just walk through a book of the Bible. Don't just jump around different verses all over the place. But uh, maybe it's just James, where we started today. Open up the book of James, take a verse, take five minutes, and do exactly what we just did. Observe, apply, pray. I'm convinced that every single one of you, you can do that. You can do it. Uh, it's our opener prayer. On the bottom of your page, you saw the bonus S. The bonus S is share. Uh, it's what I make our kids do when they soap. They do soaps because the end of it is you share it with somebody. Again, we believe in community. We grow best when we grow together. And in the history of the world, and even so much still today, the Bible was most commonly read publicly and discussed in groups. This is how the Bible, from the very beginning, this is how it was taught, was not just isolated on your own, but you did it in community. I would encourage you, if you have a spouse, you got a roommate, uh, you got a friend, what's it look like for you to not just soap, but then share. Man, this is what God spoke to me today. There's so much power in speaking God's word to and, for, to and with each other, and so much power in articulating it, so much power in seeing how the word of God can be spoken through you into somebody else's life, and it can just grow inside of you, the ability to see someone, what they're walking through in life, and just be able to speak the encouragement of God's word into their life. We really encourage you to share, uh, whether that's face-to-face, uh, -face, coffee, FaceTime, text. What does it look like for you to share? I'd say within our community groups is one of the greatest places that we can take this bonus S and we can share with each other consistently what God's speaking to us. Hey, we need to wrap this up. I'm sure the kids are ready to get out. If you're willing today, would you stand with me? I just want to pray and uh, we'll get out of here today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, although today was a, a bit different in, in structure, maybe practicality, we just um, believe so much in the power of your word. We think that it is alive and it transforms us into the image of its author, into your image. Lord, I pray that today as we leave here, that the goal of our gathering would be, would be met, that we would have an appetite, a desire to dig into your word, and a confidence to do so. Lord, uh, the best Bible reading plan is the one that our church is going to do. The, the best format is the one that's going to actually take place. Uh, but Lord, I just ask that we would be a people that um, we're just not a malnourished church. Or maybe our spirituality sustains, but uh, it's unhealthy, it's unproductive. We've got no ability to fight against sin and temptation and, and whatever culture may throw at us. But we've, we've got strength, we've got endurance. God, that uh, as we dig into the truth of the gospel, seeing the revelation of your character and your redemptive plan that is all throughout scripture, that it is the power to live how you've called us to live, to make wise decisions, to, to be who you've called us to be. So Lord, we... Uh, we anchor ourselves to the truth of God's word. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for our time together. And let this week be a time of just richness in your word. God, let new habits and spiritual disciplines be formed within our church. That we just don't just go week to week hearing someone teach your word, but we have the confidence to dig into it every day on our own. We love you. So grateful for this community. Thank you that uh, we grow best when we grow together. And uh, we're going to see that this year. Believe it. Love you, Lord. Just let me pray. Amen.